You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Take your Bible with me and turn to Acts chapter 2. I want to preach to you today, and I trust that all of you will just give me your heart for the next few moments, that if there's any distraction that comes into the fellowship here, that you will do your best to continue to pay attention to what the preacher has to say. Because what I'm going to tell you this morning is something that will save your life. Let me ask you a couple questions before we get started. If you were in a burning building right now, wouldn't you do whatever you needed to do to save yourself and whoever else was with you in that burning building? Say amen. Amen. You'd look for an escape route. You'd try to figure out how could I get out of here because you'd realize that you're in tremendous danger. Let's say that for some reason you found yourself accidentally poisoned. And you were getting sick, very sick. Wouldn't you call poison control? Or wouldn't you have someone take you to emergency? Because you knew something was desperately wrong and you needed to save yourself. What if maybe you lived in one of our southern states and you were out just taking a walk somewhere on some trail out in the woods and a snake bit you and you found out that that was a rattlesnake. Wouldn't you quickly do what you needed to do to save yourself in a situation like that, yes or no? Well, of course you would. Let's say there was a tornado that was approaching us right now. What would you do? If you realized that danger was intimate and a tornado was soon to strike this church building, what would you do to save yourself? Maybe you found yourself woken up at night by a strange noise and you realize a home invasion was taking place. Pretty scary, huh? Wouldn't you try to figure out how you could save yourself from a situation like that? I say all that to say this. If you knew that when you die, you were going to a Christless eternity into a lake of fire, a place that God calls hell. And you came to that realization. I am on my way to hell. Wouldn't you do something about that? Wouldn't you seek to save yourself from that eternal plight? I think that you would. And so that's why I entitled the message this morning, How to Save Yourself. 
In verse 1 of Acts chapter 2, it tells us that the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, most of us here have no idea, no concept. Maybe we've heard the word Pentecost before, but we really don't know what's going on here. So let me tell you what's going on in the passage of Scripture from which we pull this text today. The nation of Israel had seven feasts that they observed. Some of those feasts would last for an entire week, and then others would last just simply for a day. This was one of those feast celebrations that lasted for a day. It was called the Day of Pentecost. And thousands upon thousands of people had gathered together in Jerusalem to celebrate this feast of Pentecost. It was a day of joyful celebration as the nation looked back on God's goodness in the past year, how God had provided for them, how God had taken care of them, how God had put food upon their table. It was very similar to our Thanksgiving celebration that we have here in America. And with all of these thousands of people that were jam-packed into Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, the apostles saw an amazing opportunity to preach the gospel to these crowds of people. And that's what Acts chapter 2 is all about. It's all about the preaching of the gospel message to people that were gathered together here in Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of Pentecost. Look at verse 21 with me. I'm not going to take time to read the whole sermon that was preached, but it was the Apostle Peter that now stood and is preaching to this vast multitude of people. And it says in verse 21 of Acts chapter 2, And it shall come to pass that, what's the next word? I, I can't hear you, what? Whosoever. And it shall, this is a promise, not this may, he said, this shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Notice that word saved. Saved from what? Drop down with me to verse 37. We'll pick up a little bit more of this message. Now read through verse 39. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus. So now he's preaching Jesus and the gospel message to these people. Hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked. Now that's not a word that we use we would be more prone to use the word convicted. Have you ever been convicted in your heart about something that you've done that you know is wrong? Yes or no? Yes. Why? Because God has put a consciousness of that within the heart of every man. So now they are pricked in the heart. What are they pricked over? They're pricked or convicted over their sin. They were pricked in their heart. Now they respond to this conviction. And they say unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? 
Now, Peter has already told them that whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. He's already told them what to do. But they are under such conviction of their sin and what they had done by nailing Jesus Christ to the cross and rejecting him and crucifying him. They said, what must we do? Then Peter said unto them, what's the next word? Repent. When we repent, what do we repent of? The conviction of sin. That pricking of our conscience, that conviction of sin that God has brought into our hearts. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the washing away of your sin. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are afar off. That's you and I. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Look up here. Every one of you look up here with me right now. Who is God calling today to save themselves? Every one of us here. God is calling out to you today, save yourself. Now drop down to verse 40 and verse 41. And with many other words, this was a long preaching session. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, read it with me, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Now here's another word that seldom we ever use, and that is the word untoward. Save yourselves. You now, listen, you now have an opportunity to save yourself. Save yourself from what? An eternity of separation from God in that horrible place called hell. You have an opportunity to save yourself. What are you going to do with that opportunity? I'm here to tell you, once you die, once you die it's too late. That opportunity to save yourself is given to you in this life and in this life only. And what is your life? It's but a vapor that appears for a little season and it vanisheth away. You have no assurance that you are not going to die today. And if you died today without saving yourselves, I'm here to tell you on the authority of the Word of God, you will go straight to hell for all of eternity. Wrap your mind around eternity. I don't think any of us here can. To save yourselves from this untoward. The word untoward means crooked, perverted, wicked, or sinful. I don't know that we have ever lived in a more crooked, perverted, wicked, and sinful generation than we live in right now. America has become Sodom and Gomorrah all over again. I pray the coming of our Lord. I now have 20 grandchildren. And I'm going to be honest with you, I fear the generation 
that my grandchildren are entering into. A generation is only 28 years. It doesn't take long to pass through a generation. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And then it says this, and, they, and then they received his word, they accepted the gospel message, they responded to it and were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about how many? 3,000 souls of the thousands of the thousands of people that were, I wish I could have been there on that day. With the thousands of people that were gathered together hearing the same gospel message that you're hearing today because the gospel doesn't change. The same message that was preached over 2,000 years ago that 3,000 people responded to. They repented of their sin. They put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they followed up that salvation with baptism. Is the very same gospel that I'm preaching to you today. Take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through verse 38. When you're there, give me an amen. I thank God for his word. His unchanging, his preserved, and his complete word that he has entrusted to us. Mark 8, verse 34, follow along as I read. And when he, the Lord Jesus, had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever. Isn't that Interesting how that word keeps popping up. That whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now here is, here is, a, you really have to look at this. Listen to this, the words of Jesus. For whosoever will save his life shall what? Now, wait a minute. Didn't Peter tell us to save ourselves from this untoward generation? Now, Jesus said, and whosoever will save his life shall what? Lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall save it. How do you save your life? How do you save yourself? You save yourself by losing it. And it's not until you lose it that you'll be able to save it. You say, preacher, what in the world are you talking about? Let's keep going. For what shall it profit a man or a woman if he or she gain the whole world and lose his own what? Now, church family, is it really possible to gain the whole world? Could any one man gain every bit of money and possessions that there are in this world? Well, of course not. But if you could, by the way, there's some really wealthy people, aren't there? 
Now you know when someone's wealthy, it's when they call you to come do something for you, but they don't ask you how much it's going to cost. Amen? They just say, go ahead and take care of it. I always ask, how much is this going to cost? For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange? Is there any exchangement that can go on here? That I can give so much in order to save my soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. All right. Let's stop and think about what we've just read. In Acts chapter 2, we're told to save ourselves from this crooked, corrupt, and perverted generation. In Mark chapter 8, we are told that whosoever saves himself will lose it. Now, are these contradictory thoughts? I want you to understand something here this morning. The Bible never contradicts itself. If you think, well, there's a contradiction here, that contradiction is not in the Bible, it's in your mind. These are not two contradictory statements. Not at all. Acts tells us to save ourselves, and Mark tells us how to save ourselves. There is a way that people think will save them, but that's not the way. So how in the world can we save ourselves? I'm going to read it again. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel, there comes that gospel back in there, the same shall save it. What in the world does this verse mean? You ready to work through this with me? Are you ready to work through this with me? All right, let's break it down. Whosoever. What does that mean? Anyone. That wasn't hard, was it? Was that hard? Okay, we got that. Whosoever. Anyone. That loses his life for my sake and the gospel shall find it. Now, what does that mean? That means we have to lose our lives before we can save it. You must lose your life for Christ's sake and for the sake of the gospel. So I just stop and think, what does that mean? Sometimes when people pray, they will pray, for Jesus' sake, amen. I've never heard somebody say something like that. For Jesus' sake, amen. For Jesus' sake, what does that mean? Usually we think, that well, that, that means for Jesus' benefit. For Jesus' sake. For his benefit. I'm here to tell you, we don't save ourselves for Jesus' benefit. So that's not what that can mean. But there's another meaning. And the meaning is this, on the account of. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake on my account, and on the account of the gospel, the same shall save it. If you want to save your life, are you with me, church? I'm going to tell you how to do it. 
If you want to save your life, if you want to save yourself from a crisis eternity in hell, if you want to save your life, then lose it for Jesus and the gospel. Lose it for their sake. But if you lose your life and try to save it yourselves, you're going to lose it. This is what it's saying. You can't save yourself. The gospel tells you how to be saved. On the account of the gospel, the gospel tells you how to be saved. Only Jesus, on the account of Jesus, for Jesus' sake only can a person be saved. Let's, uh, let's do a little simple equation here. I'll tell you, that kid does not like my preaching. I'll tell you that right now. Seek to save your life. Seek to take control of your own life. Seek, seek ownership over your own life. You'll lose it. Lose your life on the account of Christ. Take control off of your life. Give Christ, listen, please don't be talking. Give Christ ownership over your life. And then and only then you'll save it. Are you getting it? So Peter tells us to save ourselves. Mark tells us how to save ourselves. I'm, I'm here to tell you that is just the opposite of the way people usually think. People usually think this. If I want to gain something in this life, I need to take ownership of it. Right? I need to possess it. I need to control it. We think that if we let go of it, if we, if we let control or ownership of it go, then we're going to lose it. Now this is natural understanding but it's wrong. You want to save yourself from going to a crisis, eternity in hell? Give your life to Jesus Christ. Turn the whole thing over to him on the account of Jesus in the gospel. Repent of your sin and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then and only then will you find that eternal life that he promises. You've got to take control off. Well, the word whosoever means anyone. We now know what it means to lose our life in order to save it. We take control off of it and we give it to the Lord. And then it says, for the gospel's sake. You know what, you know what the gospel is? The word gospel is just good news. Have you ever turned on the news at night... Come on, raise your hand if you ever turn on the news at night. What a depressing exercise. There is seldom, if ever, any good news when you turn on the news. 
I want to tell you what, when you open this book, there is the best news in all of the world. And that's why it's called the gospel, the good news. And you know what the good news is? Anyone and everyone can save themselves. Come on now, isn't that good news? Anyone and everyone can save themselves. Let me give you a few verses here. The Bible said, Who will have, God will have all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That what? I can't hear you. What? Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Don't you think it'd be a wise thing to save yourself? Remember what Peter said in Acts? Then Peter said unto them, all those that said, what do we need to do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Every one. There is not one person on the face of this earth that is outside of the grace of God and who cannot be saved. But listen, I can't save you. Your parents can't save you. Your church can't save you. Your good works can't save you. You have to save yourself by losing it. Losing it means you come to the realization, there is nothing that I can do. Except embrace Jesus. That's all that I can do. You know why every man needs to be saved? You know why every woman needs to be saved? Because every man and every woman on the face of the earth is lost. That's why you need to be saved, because you're lost. I remember someone came to me one time. Of course, sometimes we take Bible words. You know, we talk about, if you come to church, you hear lost. You hear the word lost. You're lost without Christ. You're lost and on your way to hell. We use that word lost, but you know, a lot of people don't even know what the word means. So I had someone come to me one time, and they asked me, well, Pastor, what does it really mean to be lost? I had to stop thinking about that. We use the word, but what does it mean to be lost? And so I really begin to think about that. I really begin to ponder over that. What does it mean to be lost? The Bible said, Jesus, Jesus has come. He came to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. Everyone without Christ is lost. There is no way that everyone here right now hearing my voice has saved themselves and are on their way to heaven. There's some here today that are lost. You see, either you're saved or you're lost. You're on your way to heaven or you're on your way to hell. It's one or the other. 
So what does it mean to be lost? Let me, let me just try to share this with you. Let me tell you what I believe it doesn't mean. Some people think that to be lost is to be without direction and purpose in life. There's a lot of people without direction and purpose. But that's not what it means to be lost. Some would say, well, to be lost means that you're confused over what's the right and wrong thing to do. Some would say it's being uncertain concerning what is right or what is wrong in a given situation. I'm just lost. I don't know what to do here. Some would say, well, it's to be without hope that things will ever get better. I'm just lost. Some would say, well, to be lost to them is to be forsaken, unloved, and alone, not knowing who to even turn to in a time of help. Some would say, well, to be lost is to be in a really bad situation where you can't see any way out. To be lost means that you've lost everything. You've lost your position. You've lost your reputation. Maybe you've even lost relationships. Some would say, well, to be lost is to be in a deep, dark hole of depression. I'm just lost in that depressed state. Some would say it's to be fearful. Others would say it. It's to be caught in a controlling addiction where you just can't break those chains of addiction. I'm just lost. Some would say, well, to be lost is this emotional sinking feeling that you're just going down and down and down in life. And there's no hope. Can I say something to you? Are those things pretty bad that I just named? Yes or no? It's very sad to see individuals in these states. But I'm here to tell you on the authority of the Word of God, being lost as described in the Bible is worse than all of those put together. The state of being lost is the worst condition a person could possibly be in. It's worse than than being born with some debilitating physical disease. It's worse than being birthed into extreme poverty. It's worse than seeing those little children that are, that are born and they're addicted to drugs and alcohol because of the abuse of their mother. It's worse than neglect. It's worse than abuse. It's worse than abandonment. There is church family and those with us today. There is nothing worse in life than to be what the Bible calls lost. According to my Bible, Romans chapter 3, it's a condition that every single person is born into. Every person is born lost. It's a condition that is described by the very word itself. God has preserved and protected his word in this good old King James Bible. And this word lost is also translated perish. Perished. 
destroy, destroyed, or to lose. Those that are lost, please listen to me today. Those that are lost are those who are perishing. They're those who are in danger of being destroyed. They are those who are losing out on the greatest gift that God has ever given to humanity, the gift of eternal life in His Son. To be numbered with the lost. Some of you here today are lost. Whether you realize it or not, you are lost. You are perishing. You're in danger of being destroyed. You are losing out on the greatest gift that God has ever given in the person of his son. For Jesus' sake and the gospel. To be numbered with the lost means that you will spend eternity in hell unless you save yourself. It's worse than being in a burning building. It's worse than having an active terrorist come in here and start shooting up the congregation with an AK-47. It's worse than drowning. To be lost means that you will end up in hell unless you're saved. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I don't believe in hell. There's many who even claim to be religious to say, oh, we don't believe in hell. All right. Why don't you listen to preacher? Just because you don't believe something exists doesn't mean that it doesn't. Just because you say, I don't believe that hell is real does not mean that it is. I'll be honest with you, even as a preacher of the gospel, the gospel, the good news, how you can be saved from this place called hell, I don't even want to believe in it, but I'm forced to believe in it because the Bible declares it to be so. Why do people go to hell? Because they refuse to save themselves for Jesus' sake and the gospel. I'm going to hang on to my life. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live. I'm not going to lose my life for the sake of Christ and the gospel. You save your life, you'll lose it. You lose it, then only then you're going to save it. Here's what I'm going to ask some of you to do in just a few minutes. I'm going to ask you to lose your life for Christ. Do you know in the Bible there's over a hundred and 50 references to this terrible place called hell or the lake of fire. My daddy used to always say, you know, if God says something once, he means it. 
I said, that's right, Dad. He said, if God says something repeatedly, he's really trying to get your attention. If God says something over a hundred and fifty times, he is really trying to drive the point home. The Bible tells me that hell, and I have the scriptures, I have them right here. You can come to me afterwards and look them up and wrestle that out between you and the Lord. But it says, hell is a place of fire, everlasting fire, hell fire, eternal damnation. It's called the damnation of hell, the furnace of fire, the lake of fire, a fire that never shall be quenched. A fire that will not be quenched. Where the worm dieth not, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. A place of torment, a place of utter darkness, and a place of everlasting punishment. Now the last time that I knew what everlasting meant, it meant forever. How many would agree with me last time? Let's say, how long am I going to be in hell? And forever is a long, long time. So what can be done about your lost estate? The gospel. (laughs) Amen. The good news. Save yourself. You want to know how Jesus drove this point home? And I'm going to be done here in just a minute. Jesus said, if your hand... Hold your hand up here. Hold your hand up here. If your hand offends you... this, This is radical. But he said, if your hand is keeping you... From dying to yourself and embracing Christ and the gospel. If your hand is keeping you from repenting and putting your faith in Jesus as your Savior. If your hand is keeping you from being saved, he said, cut your hand off. Really? If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life into eternal life, maimed, having no hand, than having two hands and going to hell into a fire that never shall be quenched. Now, I could, I could not imagine taking a knife and cutting off my hand. How many, of you, how many of you could even imagine yourself doing that? But better to do that If that hand is keeping you from being saved, better to do that than to die with both hands and go to hell. Do you get it? That's how serious a matter this is. He goes on to say, If thy foot offend thee, not just your hand, but if your foot offends you, if if your foot, the places you go, the things you do, the places you go, If your foot offends thee, cut it off. It would be better for thee to enter into life having two... uh, Better for thee to... 
be better for thee to enter halt into life, eternal life, than having two feet and be cast into hell. Into a fire that never shall be quenched. If thy hand offend thee, the things you do are keeping you from being saved, you won't lose your life for the sake of the things you want to do, those wicked things you want to do. If your foot offends you, takes you to places you ought not to go, those sinful, wicked places in this generation, save yourself from this wicked, adulterous generation. Then cut it off. Better to limp around on one leg than to die and go to hell. And then he says this, your hand, your foot, and then he says your eye. He said, if your eye, the things you look at, things you're tempted by, the things you go after, if your eye offends you, he said, reach in there and pluck it out. Better to enter into eternal life in Christ, having only one eye, than to have two eyes and go to hell where the fire is not quenched. And the worm dieth not. I want to say something to you here today. Embrace the gospel. Amen? If you're here without Christ, this is your opportunity. This could be your last opportunity. I don't know. I have no way to know whether you'll be a live tonight. When you pillow your head. I don't know that. I'll never forget a few years ago I was preaching the gospel in Philippines. And many of you have seen the jeepneys, how they just bring all the people in on the jeepneys, they're packed out. And so we're under this tent. If you can just kind of go there with me for a minute, we're under this tent. There's a thousand plus people under the tent, outside the tent, all over the tent. I preach the gospel. Pastor Nono gets up and gives the invitation. People stream forward to receive Christ. On the way home that night, there was a man who came. A man who came to that gospel message. The jeepney driver had to put on the brakes quickly. The man fell off of the jeepney. Was drug a distance believe he was hit by other traffic. You remember this, Liesel, was taken to the hospital, died that night. Died that night! This was an unchurched man. This is a man that probably for the first time in his life heard the gospel. I don't know what he did with the gospel that night. I don't know if he was one of those that came forward and received Christ or not. No idea. But I'll tell you this, he didn't even think that tonight would be his last night on earth. He never thought for a moment when he got on that jeepney late in the afternoon that that night he would be in eternity. 
When the Bible says, this night thy life shall be required of thee. What if for you it's this night? What if it's this day? What if today is your last meal? What if this is the last opportunity that you have to save yourself and you don't do it forever? Forever you will be in this horrible place. On the authority of God's word, this place called hell. I want to leave you with this story. This is a Bible story. Jesus was coming into this town called Jericho. His popularity had soared because he had healed the sick and fed the 5,000 and had performed miracle after miracle. He had even raised the dead. Who wouldn't come see a man like that? And the Bible says there were so many people, they were just pressing in on the Lord Jesus. Some just merely wanted to touch him. And there was this little wee little man, just this little short little man, just this little pipsqueak called Zacchaeus. Hi, Zach. Zacchaeus was really, really short. And he was trying to see Jesus. And he was jumping up, trying to see over the crowd. And he could not see Jesus. I said, oh, son. But right there by him was a tree. The Bible calls it a sycamore tree. It's interesting the Lord tells what kind of tree it was. And this little man climbed up in that sycamore tree. Now, you need to understand something about this little man. He was extremely wealthy, aren't you? He was loaded. He was a tax collector. He had all the money, all the possessions that the world could possibly afford to a person. He, he was filthy rich. And yet there was something that money couldn't buy. There was an emptiness in his soul. He had heard the message how that this man called Jesus had transformed people's life. He said, I need to see that man. And with all of his prestige and wealth and high standing in society, the Bible called him the chief. My father-in-law used to be the chief of police, the mayor of his town. But he needed to see Jesus. So he climbed up in this sycamore tree, and isn't it interesting? Jesus just happened to pass by him. And Jesus looked up in that sycamore tree Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was probably wondering, how did he know my name? Do you know there's 130, 135 places in the Bible where it says Jesus knows you by name? Not only does he know us by name, he knows what's in our heart. He says, Zacchaeus, you come down out of that tree. 
I'm going to go to your house today. And there, Zacchaeus repented of his sin, trusted Christ as his Lord and his personal sin. It's a beautiful story. Luke chapter 19, I believe it is, verse 1 through verse 10. Trusted Christ as his Savior. His life is transformed. After he gets saved, he says, anything that I have taken by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. Can, can you imagine that dishonest? Publican. Saying, you know what? I'm giving it all back. I'm clearing my conscience. I'll tell you, if there's one thing that the people... And Jericho knew something happened to Zacchaeus. You know what Zacchaeus did when he climbed up in that tree? You know what he did? He saved himself from that untoward generation. I'm here to tell you right now, you don't have to climb a tree. Amen? I have no tree in this auditorium for you to climb. And if I did, that's not what's going to save you anyway. It's only Jesus and the gospel that's going to save you. But I'm going to give you an opportunity today. Here's what I'm going to give you an opportunity to do. To put your pride away. To realize, man, if I die right now, I'm going to hell. And come up here. That's what I'm going to ask you to do. Take God's gift of eternal life and say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. Come into my heart. Save me. If you mean that, he'll save you right now, today. And you can leave here a new creature in Christ. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.